Hello, I'm Luca De Giglio, and this is the Web3 in Travel podcast, where you can learn about crypto, blockchain, and how the new internet will change travel. So I was starting to wonder what can I talk about in the next episodes. I've covered many, many aspects of Web3 in Travel. I talked about decentralization, tokens, fees on the blockchains, DAOs, DeFi in travel, NFTs in travel, investing in Web3 in travel. I talked about governance. Then I did analysis of the thesis for 2002 based on a Messiah report, a couple of episodes. I talked about payments, a decentralized Airbnb, profile pictures, NFTs, they're called PFP. I've done Web2 versus Web3. I talked about the multi-chain world we are in today. I talked about a very important upcoming login with Web3 revolution. I talked about custody. I talked about revenue management, airdrops, platforms versus protocols, direct bookings, the travel metaverse, Web3 travel projects, how to lose money in Web3 in travel. And then I started wondering again, well, what can I talk about? I really covered everything. And then it hit me. I didn't dedicate any episode so far to one of the most important things in, uh, in Web3 in travel, which is community. Why did I forget that? Well, because community is covered already when you talk about DAOs, it's covered when you talk about governance, it's covered when you talk about tokens, it's everywhere. So you can't really talk about Web3 in travel without talking about community. So I did, but I've never done a specific episode dedicated to the community. So here it is. First of all, a little bit of history. Um, My relation, my personal relation with the internet is always been kind of creating communities. It's always been one of the best use cases for for the internet. The software on which the communities are based changes, but the underlying dynamics are always the same. So my first real community was um, a community for Italians who loved Australia because I traveled in Australia and I created a forum those old PHP BB forums, which don't are not very much used anymore today. And that was a self-sustaining community. Basically, after a while, I started, I stopped following it because I, I wasn't too interested in Australia anymore. And it just went on for years and years. And then it died because I basically stopped updating the forum software. And after a few versions, it, it was just too hard and I just let it go, which is, I think, a big mistake. But, you know. Uh, when you are self-hosting your software, that's that's the problem. You need to keep maintaining it forever, even if you're not interested anymore in it. Another big experience for me in creating communities was a community of people who loved traveling, especially long-term traveling and backpacking in Italy again, again based on, on forums and based on several meetings with it. I think over 20 or 30 in the years in different houses around around Italy. For me, internet has always been about creating communities and being part of communities. But then something happened. Facebook happened. Facebook and all the 
you know, similar social networks. They killed communities in a way. They offered different softwares, centralized softwares, value extracting softwares. And now if you want to build a community, you're building a Facebook group. And a Facebook group has this classic dilemma between two opposing dynamics. One is that it is really easy to create and really easy to maintain. Basically, Facebook maintains it for you. All you have to do is do, you know, the moderation is, of course, is a lot of work, but software-wise, nothing is provided. On the other end, you are completely captured by Facebook, which decides everything, even about your own group. If it can exist, if it's still tomorrow, it's still going to be online or it's going to be closed, what posts are going to be seen, what comments are going to be seen, etc. So you're kind of working in somebody's, on somebody else's land. Oh, that was Max from Winding Tree. I left, <laughs> I left the sound on the podcast because actually, so I can tell you, we're going to have an interview with Max about their win uh, booking platform they use for bookings, direct bookings with hotels in, um, in DevConnect. So let's go back to the uh, Facebook neo-feudal environment. That's where communities have moved. And that's a disaster for communities because you are basing all your... So the use case of communities for the internet have been captured by Facebook. Yes, they made it easier, but they control the narrative. They control the, the group. So not good. Now, luckily, communities are moving out of this. Now there are new kinds of forums which are, are used a lot by Web3 communities. Um, discourse. Also, a bit. I mean, they are decentralized. You can have your own installation, which is great, or you, you can use their server, which is great too. But at least you have the option, right? So we are kind of getting out of this, in my opinion, horrible 10 years of centralized communities. And it's important to note, we are not getting out of this because there was not a software for that before. There was a software before, then Facebook came in and we all went there because we believed in a kind of a promise that Facebook was going to be neutral infrastructure. Well, they never actually said that, but we kind of gave it, you know, we gave it for granted and it wasn't. So when we realized that more and more people said, okay, we can't seriously build anything on Facebook. And it's true that, you know, when you move from Facebook to Discord, yeah, well, it's still centralized, right? But at least there are some forums now. And I think we're going to slowly get going to get better softwares and better ways to have communities in neutral, you know, credibly neutral software environments. So you see, I've just done again the Web 1, Web 2, Web 3 uh, thing with communities. It's always like this. Web 1 is small, decentralized, human-based, you know, focused on people. Web 2 is corporations using people, giving a, a product, but then extracting and controlling. Web 3 is back to the, to the roots. With this time with, with money, with, with native money, which changes things a lot for good, for bad, of course. Anyway, let's talk about communities in Web3. Let's start by saying that as many other terms in Web3, they are not very clear. They don't mean anything and they mean everything. What is a community anyway? So Airbnb has been using this term forever. Does Airbnb have a community? I think so. 
but it's a specific kind of community which, for instance, doesn't really own the platform they are using, right? The main difference with potential Web3 communities is that people will own the platform. Again, everything I say is never giving for granted that one way is better than the other. Is it better to have communities which own the platform? Well, we have to see. At the moment, the best, the most successful projects do not give any ownership to the users. So today we can say, no, they don't work. Uh, so what we're thinking here is like, potentially, could this, this be better? Well, yeah, let's think. Yeah, right. If users own their platform, then yes, the platform is going to be better because the interests are aligned. But that's theory. What is the practice? Uh, so far, the practice is, well, you know, to be discussed, to be decided. We don't really know. In some cases, community's involvement has been great. And we're talking mostly about DeFi and maybe NFTs now. In some cases, it's been toxic, it's been horrible. Why? Well, it depends on the community. When something is very wide and very big, you can't just consider it as good or bad. It depends what it is made of. So if a community is made only of speculators, good luck in retaining them when the token price stops growing. If a community is more organic, people believe into the, for instance, um, kitos of decentralization, well, maybe you have something, you have built something which is more long-lasting, even if not that flashy and able to attract many people. And I stress this fact because it's really easy when you come into Web3 to say Web2 is dead, it's, it's a bad way to do things, and we're going to do better. And also, I think it's necessary to have this kind of approach because you're trying to build something which does not exist. And you need to visualize it in a good way, right? You have to visualize Web3 as it's going to be in a good way to be able to build it. But that's also dangerous because if you say, okay, everything in Web2 is bad and Web3 is going to save the world, well, you're just dreaming there because Web3 can be bad, can be worse than Web2. In fact, Web3 is just a more powerful version of the internet. So if the internet is doing bad things, you're going to do bad things worse with Web3. So we need to respect what has been done so far um, in Web2, which is where all the success is still today. And we need to try to make a Web3 which is better, not just because Web3 is better. We have to do a better version of the web with the tools Web3 is bringing on the table. And these are neutral tools. And that's why the community is, in my opinion, important. Because if you have a good community using the tools of Web3, you can create something better. So you need to create a good community. How do you do that? Well, good luck. It's not easy, especially in a speculative environment, which is one of the dangerous aspects of Web3. Everything is monetized. Everything is tokenized. Everything is about money, even things which shouldn't be about money. Also, everything is skewed towards attracting a lot of people, getting a lot of people excited about your project and buy your token and contribute. So we have this very strong bias versus like being doing things very quickly and making a lot of money very fast because this is happening. You see projects started a month ago with a billion dollars in their treasury. So it's really hard to say, no, 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 calm down. Let's take it slow. Let's start from the basics and, you know, 
let's keep it decentralized. Oh, well, if we centralize a little bit, we're going to make a lot of money. Well, it's really hard to resist to that. But let's go back to what a community is. So first of all, again, it's not taking is everything. But let's see in, in Web3 what a community is. First of all, it's a much more central part of a project than a Web2 project or startup. When you look at a Web2 startup, you tend to have investors and founders, and then you have employees, and then you have customers. So if you see this as a circle, so there's a core made of investors and founders, then you have the employees, then you have the customers, and that's it. In Web3, there's a layer between the employees and the customers, which is the community. The community often is also employees because they help their work, even if they're not employed officially. And they are also very often customers because they use the product. So you can see this as a new layer, which almost didn't exist before or, or was very thin before. And this layer theoretically is there to stay more than the customer. So a customer stops using a product when the product is not good anymore or there's another one on the market. A community being more involved, often because they contributed, maybe they met, they work together, or and they have the tokens, they're going to leave. It's going to take a bit longer for them to leave. They're going to be there in, in the bear market. They're going to be there when things are not good, etc. Well, that's the theory again. People in communities are very, very quick to leave if things go south. So they don't offer often any advantage in terms of retaining power, in terms of resilience of a project. But again, it depends on what kind of community you have built. In my experience with TRIPS community, for instance, we have always made it very clear that this is hard stuff. So at the beginning, we had a lot of people who were interested in this new concept of a decentralized Airbnb. But when they got into our Discord, they got lost and then started reading about wallets and stuff. They got lost. And we had these internal discussions of how are we going to retain those people? And there were two schools of thought. One was, let's make things easier for them. Let's explain and make tutorials and videos so they understand. And the other one was, well, at this stage, it's really too hard to explain those things to people who are not able or willing to learn them by themselves. Because, you know, the materials are out there. If you want to learn, you learn. Of course, for some people, it's hard and some people don't want to put the effort. How do you solve that? Well, my take after a while trying to retain those people was like, there's no way. There's no way. They have to learn. So they have to go through this process of learning, putting the time, and then they can be part of the community. The community is open, of course. Nobody has ever, has ever been refused, but like they kind of self-select, right? And this made it very hard for us to grow the community to numbers. Even if I was traveling around Italy and then the world, trying to spread the word into the vacation rental industry, we always had very little numbers, very few numbers, but at least those people were advanced enough to be able to help and to understand. And for those people, it, 
it's been very beneficial to be part of the community because it's been a learning process for all of us. And they're still there today because they get out of it more than what they put in because knowledge is the most important thing in general. Now, later on, we started kind of bribing people to get into the community by airdropping tokens. And the idea was that for a token to be powerful, it needs to be in many people's hands. You cannot have the token with 100 people. It has to be with 10,000 or 100,000 people. So it needs to be distributed. Otherwise, all the power, the, you know, the governance, the decision power, and all the interest in the, in the project is limited to a few people or whales when they have a lot of tokens. So doing that, we were able to attract up to 14,000 people in our Discord. But of course, the kind of people who came in, most of them were just interested in having a token. Now, out of those 14,000, we had many interesting people, crypto-native people who actually knew things which we didn't know um, at every level. That was very precious and still very precious today, even if our Discord recently it's kind of been silent because we moved all our work to Telegram for the last project, the, the NFT project we have. But we find ourselves in we having different layers in the community. And I think this is the best way, in my opinion. You have a core of people who are have been with the community for a long time or are very involved with it. And they're... ROI is taken care of. Whatever they put in, it comes out in terms of knowledge, tokens, etc. And then you have more outside layers with people involved, but maybe a, a bit less, and then a bit less, and then a bit less, and then they're just token holders, and then they're just at the end leechers. Those just come in to get some tokens, sell them on the exchange immediately, and, and leave forever. But having a core is what lets you go through you know, the hard times. We went through the bear market. When we started this thing, we were at the end of the of the bull market of 2017, and we, boom, fell into the bear market for basically three years, 2018, 19, 20. Yeah, maybe at the end of 20, we started seeing things with the summer DeFi. So, and we've been together. We knew it was a bear market. We knew a, a bull market will come back. Interest will come back. Money will come back. And in the meantime, we had to build. And then with trips, we realized there was not really much we could build because another very important thing, we didn't really want to do the startup where you raise money and you build something and it doesn't matter if it's centralized or not. We wanted to build and we still want to build decentralized stuff. And that makes it you know, too early for us. And now slowly we're getting there, right? So. Even in this environment, and even within the constraint of a decentralized decision, basically, we are still there. And this is, in my opinion, amazing because it's been now over four years. So what kind of community do you have to build? It depends on what you want to build. Because if you want to build uh, something which can be used today, so it has to be a more centralized, maybe you should focus on a different kind of community. I'm not here pontificating what is right and what is wrong. It's just that community means just community. There's many kinds of communities with many kinds of different people in it. And you have to kind of build the one you need for your project. 
which is not easy, but at least you, you know that there's no fixed formula. Depending on what you want to build, you have to build the right kind of community for your project. Now, for instance, I think the future communities will be or will necessarily have to be more involved into the governance because this is a very weak part of Web3. Nobody votes. So they will find ways to get people more involved into the governance process. So the voice and the decision power communities have will be higher, at least in decentralized communities. Communities in Web3 also have a stronger voice in general. I mean, what they say is really listened more because they, they make or, or destroy a project. Um, like in Airbnb, there's been a lot of community complaints in the past. Have they been listened to? Yes, partially. But in a way, Airbnb doesn't really need to listen to what the community says. They know what's right for the project, for the, for the company, and for the shareholders. And always remember, corporations have a fiduciary duty to satisfy the needs or defend the interest of their shareholder. They have no choice. If they have to decide between the community, the users, the customers, and the shareholders, the shareholders will always be treated better. An aspect, very important aspect, in my opinion, about communities in Web3 is that they can fork your project. If you have a nice project, and again, it's decentralized, so your software is open, and you start doing something wrong, or the community perceives this is a wrong move, they take your code, they fork it, and there you go. You got your project, which you worked on for a while, which you developed. Now somebody made a copy, and they, it took with them maybe the whole community. Now, this is, from the point of view of the builder, it's bad, but it's actually a good thing because, first of all, it keeps you in check. You as a builder, you can't at a certain point say, okay, now I'm going to cash out. I'm going to start changing, you know, the, the getting 50% of all the money for myself or whatever thing, or I'm going to sell off or I'm going to force KYC. Whatever you do, there's always an exit for the community. And that's why the community is there. That's why, because they don't need to trust you 100%. They know they can fork you out. So that, that keeps you in check. That keeps things more healthy. And it keeps competition open. So the community can become your worst enemy. They fork your code, and there you go, and you're alone, and nobody's using your product anymore. That's a risk you have to consider when creating a community. I wouldn't build a community of idiots just because they could take away your code i would try to build a community of geniuses and it's good if they fork your code because it means they're trying something slightly different than yourself and you know, you can be part of the fork community too you know that's the, the nice part even like only financially you get their token and you're part of that that idea so you bet a specific interpretation uh, or execution of your idea and somebody's doing differently, you can be part of both, even if it's all started from yourself. So try to create the best community you can with the best people you can attract. Numbers will suffer. If your community is growing very fast, very quickly, maybe you're not getting the quality you will need. Maybe you won't have time to 
explain and transmit the values. Maybe you're just looking at a you know a quick fire which will die out very quickly because if you're attracting people in the easy way with sexy, attractive propositions, well, those same people will leave for the sexier and more attractive proposition which will they will find tomorrow. So there's always a tension between numbers of people and quality of people in your community. Don't, don't ever forget that. Your community could be, on one end, a mindless mob which just wants to make money very quickly, and you will recognize those kind of people by their you know, war cry, which is when moon, when token, and they only want to know about the price of the token, and they never do some work. To, on the other side, a kind of an enlarged stakeholder employee base where people are working and thinking and proposing and voting on governance and, and taking things in their own hands and building stuff out of your base, you know, of your platform, of your community and of your ideas. And these are very precious and very hard to create because there's, you know, Numerically, most people are of the first kind and the fewer people are of the other kind. So how do you attract them? It goes, I think, to the narrative aspect. It, it all goes down to, first of all, how honest you are about what you're doing, because it's really hard to lie on those things in the long term. And then on how you're able to transmit what you're doing, right? And, um, and it comes down to writing and speaking, basically. So if you are a good writer and a good speaker, or if you have somebody in your, in your team who is a good writer and speaker, that's how you build great communities, in my opinion. You transmit your idea. You transmit your values, and then they will come. And I haven't talked about marketing here because marketing in this context is a way to attract people to your idea, and some will become part of the community. Um, there's a whole discussion to be had about Web3 marketing, how you attract people in Web3, but let's focus today on, on the community itself. Now, as you may have understood, community is hard. Um, it's very, very time-consuming. So I wonder if you could build one if you don't enjoy it. I don't know. Can you delegate somebody to do the community for you? I mean, you will have to delegate, but you as a founder, of course, I'm talking to you like if you were a founder, maybe you are not. But if you were a founder, you need to love the community in the sense that you need to love being part of it and reading stuff and writing stuff. You need to get a real excitement out of having built, you know, connected a group group of people around an idea and then together building something. So... In a way, maybe you can create communities if you, inside of yourself, you're not seeing your project as about yourself, as about, I'm going to do this project because I want to be on Forbes magazine. It doesn't have to be an ego trip, ego trip. It has to be, you have to find pleasure in building stuff with people. And people will get this feeling, they will understand this, and they're gonna and they're gonna be part of the community. If they feel that they are just you know actors in your movie and you are the main character, yeah, well, it's gonna be harder. Or maybe you're gonna get different kind of people, 
maybe you're going to get all the people who want to be actors in somebody else's movie and want to be told what to do. And the worst thing which can happen in your community is having people who come there and say, okay, let, tell me what to do. That's the worst thing because you never know. You don't have the energy and the time to tell people what to do. You lay your vision, you do the core, you do the, the, the most you know, basic things in your, in your project, but then it, it really flies when people start building stuff around it. So you want to attract builder and independent minds. And you don't play with these kind of people. You don't pretend with these kind of people. You respect them. You actually try to attract people who are even bigger than you, more clever, better developers, better designers, uh, people who worked as you know in the same way in, in communities bigger than yours. You want to, in my opinion, create place, and that's maybe the right word, a place where you go somewhere with other people. So this place is moving ahead and other people can be part of the journey. So if you're a contributor, if you've been part, you are part of other communities, you know how it feels when you got in the right one. You know that the, the founders are there, they actually interact with you, they listen to what you say, they implement stuff which is suggested by the community. You kind of being part of a DAO is a new, new, a new way to be in the work environment, right? So it's not anymore about sending your CV, getting a job, and working for someone. It's about being part of several DAOs at the same time and the right ones. So you are going to develop, or you have already developed, and if you did it, this is a great skill to have. You are developing a sense and a skill in understanding which ones are the right communities the ones which are going to give you more, and the ones which are going to accept your contribution, etc. And there's no better feeling than discovering a new project or even another new project, but like a small project where you are one of the early contributors and this project you know is going to be a very big one in the future. This has so much upside at every level. Uh, you can get a great job there, you can get a grant, you can learn so much, you, you can be one of the OGs of one of these projects. So again, to go back from the point of view of a founder, you want to be one of those places. Now, it's really hard, right, to build a community. Can you do without a community in Web3? I would say you can. Well, you can if you build a completely decentralized protocol you deploy the smart contract. It's something nobody has done before. It's going to be used. You know, simply want to build it, you launch it, and then it cannot be changed because it's really immutable. You don't need a community or a token for that. And somebody will take the code and make a copy and make a token and maybe, you know, become bigger in that case. But you've done your thing. You've been the first, right? Now, if you want to build and keep building new versions, then you're probably going to need a community because you're going to need to raise money. Uh, you're going to need to hire people, or at least in the DAO, you're going to need to pay people. And you're going to need to have all the attention of the important builders and important users so you can build better and better versions. You don't need a community to start. Actually, if you have a great idea and you can develop it yourself, you or a few friends, I would say forget a community at the beginning. Just build something. And then 
you build a community. And then maybe the best thing is to say, okay, this community is not like open to everyone in the sense that you can, you know, everybody can come in, but to actually be part of it, you need to be able to do something. So it is open, but it is not going to help people who need help. You try to write down the right documentation so that anybody who has the time and the capability can actually build something immediately. And that's, this can be code, but it, it could be documentation and webinars and blogs and videos, etc. But you build a community which is made of makers, people who actually make things. And yeah, if you started with a decentralized protocol people are already using, don't spoil it trying to now make you know a very big community of, of believers because again in numbers the, the, the quality lowers very quickly. So communities are hard, communities need the founders to actually love doing communities. And yet we see and we will see a lot of corporate communities. And by corporate communities in Web3, I mean, you know, big project, lots of money, often from VCs, sometimes from token raise, who are going to hire community builders. Like, okay, they're going to put a job advert and say, we want a community. That's the money we're going to pay you. That's what we want. Go ahead with this. I don't know. This is hard. I mean, yeah, you can build those kinds of groups and communities. With the numbers are going to be there for sure, and there's going to be people talking, etc. But I don't know, and I actually I don't know if it's possible to have a useful community when the founders are not involved in it at a certain level. Can a community be delegated? I don't know. It's such a vital part of the project that I would say no. Then, you know, maybe there are projects out there and all is going to be, and they're going to disprove this claim, but that's where I stand today. And um, I, don't, I don't want to be right here. It's like, you know, I'm just trying to um, give you my feedback, my experience on building communities and you know that's where i come from so maybe somebody comes from a more corporate environment and they build communities you know in a corporate way and they're going to bring this to web3 and it's going to work perfect no problem with that but um what i want you to get out of this podcast is that communities are hard but they can be very very powerful and they can be very very toxic so that was my introduction on communities. Maybe we're going to talk about them more. Definitely, we're going to talk about them more in, in interviews. And we're all going to keep learning about communities. Again, this is something, communities is something which has been done forever in the internet, but Web3 communities is new and everything is really experimental now. So I wonder what kind of communities we will see 10 years from now. And there you go. That's another exciting part of this very exciting journey. All right. This is the end of today's episode. I really hope you enjoyed it. For more insights on Web3, follow me on Twitter at TripLuca, T-R-I-P-L-U-C-A. And see you next time.